0: and having a good time, just all this year really getting in the Word of God, and uh, I'm excited, I I don't want to leak too much of the New Year's (laughs) message on you, but God is speaking to me about that, man, I'm excited about that service and that sermon and that time we're going to have together as we begin to move forward uh, into 2019. You know, all this year we've been talking about the Holy Ghost and growth and spiritual maturity, and at the beginning of the year, we talked about by the time we get to the end of the year, taking what we have learned and depositing it and discipling others, and as we go forward in uh, 2019, man, we're gonna get some awesome opportunities to minister the gospel of grace all around this city. Um, And and I hope you're ready, you know, so on our New Year's uh, service, our New Year's Eve service, we're gonna be just vision casting for uh, you know, next year especially. I mean, we're gonna do a, a sermon and it'll be done in that, that way, in that format, but I'm telling you, you don't wanna miss it. Um, don't just, you know, well, I'll just stream it, you know, cause it might be cold or whatever, no, get here. Um, there's something about being present. You know what I mean? Um, there, there's an anointing on what we do live and hey to everybody who's streaming tonight. Uh, you know, we got folks actually starting to watch from around America. We got the Southside Church uh, watching every Wednesday, but there's something about being able to get here, if you're able, um, and getting in the house, amen? Amen. Um, And I I believe on New Year's, uh, as many of us that can get in the house need to be here uh, because I believe God's going to do something special uh, that night, so make sure you make it out. We're going to have a really, really good time, amen? Amen. Amen. Well, let's keep talking about the promises of God. Uh, The title of this message has been Trusting and the promises of god and this is really an offshoot message of what we have been talking about concerning giving and faith and faith we know according to hebrews 11 one, is the substance of things hope for yeah the evidence of things unseen faith is all about my confidence in god and god's word and it's not just something that i think about it's literally something that if i believe his word so much I actually take action on it. Dr. Dollars taught us that there should be a corresponding action to what I say I believe. If you understand that, say amen. Amen. And so we have been talking about giving and giving in faith versus giving in fear versus giving out of guilt. Uh, We we all have been uh, taught at some point in time um, to give based on Malachi. 3, 9, and 10, and we've looked at that and gained understanding with the fact that that is under the Old Testament law, Uh, it's for the children of Israel, Uh, but it did say that if you gave your tithes, you would be blessed. But we understand that there is a new covenant, and that new covenant is full of promises that are made available to every believer by God's grace. And so when I begin to see that as we were studying about giving in faith and overcoming the spirit of mammon, which uh, mammon is all about, it's, it's actually a spirit that's trying to get you to trust in yourself, trust in whatever somebody else says, trust in anything other than the word of God. That's the job of mammon. And it's not just about money, it's, it's about trusting in anything other than God. And as I began to look at the fact that the New Testament, or the, or the covenant of grace, rather, is full of these promises, I had to stop and pause and make sure we understood how to trust in the promises of God. Because we can say, don't trust the spirit of man, and we can say, don't trust the enemy, or we can say, have faith in God. But then, you know, for especially new believers, it's like, how? How do I do that? You say trust in the promises of God. You say don't trust the spirit of mammon. You say don't trust these negative emotions, but can you please show me how? Because when I'm in the midst of a situation or in the midst of a circumstance, I know what God's word says, but I struggle maintaining or holding on to my faith. And and thank God for the word uh, that's full and pregnant of direction on how to trust God. If you understand that, say amen. So the goal before was we were trying to get free from guilty living, uh, sorry, guilty giving. Uh, We were trying to be free from any shame, doubt, condemnation about our giving. And also we were building our faith up concerning our giving. But now what we're working on is reinforcing our understanding and our belief that we are blessed because of God's promises. Say I'm blessed. Now, we understand under the covenant of grace, we're blessed not because of what we've done, but because of what who's done? Jesus. Who? Jesus. Yeah, it's because of what he's done that we're blessed. Now, we hear that, we know that, but now we got to make sure we hold on to that. In the midst of a trial, in, a midst, uh, in the midst of circumstances. We got to make sure we can do what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did in the threat of death, in the threat of shame, and the threat of uh, going against those who were set in governmental authority. They stood on the word. Amen. They stood on the promises of God. You know, sometimes people um, they struggle with today's political climate and all that type of stuff and what's going on with government and everything like that. And I'm just a firm believer of I believe the word. Amen. Period. That's whatever way. People try to make things a left side or a right side or a center side or whatever. No, it's just the word side for the believer. I was reading this article about, you know, um, it's, it's difficult for a New Testament grace-based believer to try to pick a party, if you will, uh, because on one side, you know, you believe in life and you believe in this, that, and the other, but at the same time, you believe in justice and you believe in this, that, and the other, and what the world has done is try to separate those into different corners. I don't accept that. I just believe the word. Amen? I said amen. amen. And I love what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did because they went against the political power. They went against the king. They went against the government and stood with the word. Amen? amen. So you don't, you don't, and I'm not saying you go against whomever. I'm saying you go with the word. See, sometimes we focus on, but well, you're saying go against. No, I'm telling you who to go with. Amen. If you focus on who to go with, you'll never go wrong. Because you trust in the promises of God. Not in a person, not in a system. I trust only in the word of God. And that may mean you may be facing a fiery furnace. That may mean you are you may face opposition. That may mean that only three of you out of an entire nation may be willing to stand with God. Are you listening to me? But if you stand with God, even in the midst of the trial, even in the midst of the turmoil, even in the midst of the situation, what happened in the fiery furnace? Jesus showed up. Amen? That's what the promises of God looks like. But how did they do that? How did they maintain that level of faith? How did they hold on? How were they patient? How were they, how were they not scared? How did they overcome fear? Remember what happened right before they opened up the, uh, when they opened up the door to the fiery furnace, the guards opened it up, getting it ready, and what happened to those guards? Yeah, they, they literally melted. Some of y'all would have freaked out right there. That would have been it. <laughs> You'd have been like, well, Lord, if I just buy one knee, can I buy one knee so I don't burn up? But no, they, 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 they still stood and stood firm in their faith in spite of the situation and the circumstances. So we want to gain full understanding of being able to trust in the promises of God. Now, what we've already talked about, just to quickly recap, is we've talked about uh, number one. Well, I'm going to lay this out to you, uh, especially if you're taking notes, slightly differently than we've been uh, laying it out. Um, Understand that in this teaching, we're going to look at four stages of trusting God, and inside of those four stages, there's a total of nine strategies we're going to look at. So each stage is going to have a few strategies under it. So this is the stage we might be at, and then here's how we accomplish that particular stage. Amen? Now, we've already talked about stage one uh, last Wednesday and last Sunday, and that stage is that we must remember, everybody say remember. Remember what God promises us in the Word and keep it in our hearts. Remember what God promises us in the word and keep it in our hearts. So there's this stage of reminding ourselves of what did God say? What did God say? And then maintaining that and keeping it in your heart. You know, you do it every time you take communion on Sundays with us. You know, if you've ever taken communion at a denominational church, a lot of times they'll have a big table in the front and it says, this do in remembrance... Of me, and that comes from the scripture in uh, Corinthians. And we we have to remind ourselves constantly of what did God say concerning His promises. Now, now, before we dive too deep into that, what is a promise? What is a promise? A promise, according to the dictionary, is a declaration that one will do or refrain from doing something specified. It's a legally binding declaration that gives the person to whom it's made a right to expect or to claim the performance of a specified act. I'll say that again. A promise is a legally binding declaration that gives the person to whom it's made a right, somebody say I have a right, A right to expect or to claim the performance of a specified act. That's what a promise is. A promise grants you and I, a promise from God, grants you and I the right to expect him to perform. Not only a right to expect him to perform, but a right to claim that performance. a right to claim that performance. A right to claim that performance. On the cross, when Jesus went there, he took on all sickness, all disease. He performed that act. Amen? And at its conclusion, he said, It is finished. The performance of healing was done, correct? And now through salvation that you've taken by faith, through grace, or uh, by grace through faith, it's now made available to whom? It's promised to everybody. And you have a right to expect healing, but better yet, you have a right to claim based on the performance that Jesus has already done. So you have to understand when it comes to the promises of God, this is not about getting God to do something. This is about claiming what is already done. I'll say that again. This is not about getting God to do something. It's about claiming what Jesus has already done. You have a promise. So the first stage of trusting in the promises of God is we must remember what God tells us and keep it in our hearts. Proverbs 420 through 22 says this, it says, My son, attend to my words, incline thine ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes keep them in the midst of thine heart, which we know is our mind, our soul, for they are life unto those that find them, and health to all their flesh. I have to see that word. I have to remind myself of that word, and I have to keep that word in my heart. Amen? So that's the first stage. Now, here's the first strategy under the first stage. Uh, first, we must, excuse me, the first thing to do to win in spiritual battle is to locate the promise we are believing for in the word. I can't remind myself of a promise I don't know. Make sense? So if I'm going to remind myself of the promise, I have to go and find that promise in the word with something somebody's believing for in here. Somebody said a car. What's a promise in the word of God concerning getting a car? Somebody said, they only had cars back in the Bible days. My God shall supply what? According to his? Now, where's that scripture at? (laughs) Somebody say, in the word. (laughs) Look it up. Just look it up. Look it up real quick. Use your phone. Because see, this, this is what it practically takes. Because brother says, I'm believing for a car. We give him a scripture. Based on what the word says, why? Because we we go to church, we know what it says, but maybe he don't go to church like that. Philippians 4, 19. See, so now you've given him the ability to locate the promise, not in your word, not in your words, but in the word. Because see, he's going to need to go home and he's going to need to spend time reading that word and it's actually one of the strategies we'll get to in a moment and meditating on that word. It's not enough just to hear somebody else say it. you got to locate it for yourself. The Bible says, seek and who shall find? Yeah. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be open for you. Ask and it will be given to you. It didn't say your pastor seek and then you find. It didn't say your friend seek and then you find. This has to be something between you and the Holy Ghost where you're getting in that word and he's teaching you and giving you understanding and giving you revelation on the promises that you have. So the first strategy is I have to locate the promise that I'm believing for in the word of God. The second uh, strategy I have to have is I have to simply believe the word. So if it says my God should supply all my needs according to his riches and glory, now I got to make a choice do I believe that? Amen. Amen? Because you know the enemy's going to come, he's going to come with fear. Mammon's going to come and try to get me not to trust what it says. Um, uh, negative emotions are going to come and try to get me to say, "Well, you know, I, I I've been going to church for a while and and I've been you know, they told me to believe this and I try to believe and it's been 20 years I still ain't got no car." All of those things are going to try to come up to attack your belief. But if you're going to be successful, you have to doubt your doubts. You have to eject all that negative stuff out and say the word of God is true. Why? Because God is not a liar. In order to believe the word, you have to settle that the word of God is indeed your final authority. See, that's that's, that's what we have to understand now, especially in this day and age. It is not that the word is optional or equal to anything else as an authority. The word of God, the Bible, must be your final authority if you're going to properly stand in faith, trusting in the promises of God. You know, it can't be that I believe this word on Sunday and Wednesday, but then when I get out there and I check out Facebook, Instagram, Snap, and everything else, that all of a sudden I, I am now swayed to believe somebody else's philosophy or theology or whatever else like that. Amen? It can't be that once I look at the popular talk show or whatever, and somebody is saying part of the word, but then they're putting something else new age in it and kind of slanting it slightly different, but it sounds good, but it's not really the word, but it sounds good. I now take some of that into my belief system. I can't do that. I have to make sure that I am believing 100% what? The Word of God. I got to be standing on the Word of God. Anything else is shaky. Anything else is going to cause me an issue. Anything else is going to fail me. And that's what the spirit of man wants to do and wants to get you to trust in something that's going to fail you. Thank God Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego uh, did not partially believe the word of God and believe something else. They would have gave that fire a try and that fire would have tried them and they would have got burned up. And then people would have been saying, wait a minute, but those were good boys and, and, and they believed God, did they? Did they if they're partially believing him? oh that's kind of a harsh thing that you're saying oh i'm not saying god didn't love him i'm not saying that his goodness wasn't there for him but how many of you guys have believed god partially for something and it just didn't happen everybody in his room everybody in his room and then what people do often is they try to blame god because they 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 they, they play games within themselves and say but i was standing on the word where are you Or did you allow some doubt and some unbelief and some other things to come in there? Because my word says that if I speak to a mountain, my word says that if I ask God in his name, guess what? It's done. It's done. So if it's not done, then I'm not doing something. And the only thing for me to do is what? Believe. So it's not an yeah, action problem, it's a belief issue. So I have to make sure that after I've located the promises of God that I actually 100% believe what I just read. And that means you might have to spend some time with it. Because you don't just believe something because you read it, do you? I hope not. <laughs> You've got to spend some time with it. You've got to study that thing out. And then you still have to weigh it by the Holy Ghost on the inside of you. Because he's the one that does really the, the changing on the inside of you to, to make you believe differently. That's his job. Amen? But that's the second thing I do. The third thing, and we're still under the first stage, this is the third strategy, is after I've located and then i believed, now I have to settle. Somebody say settle. Settle, settle in our hearts that the promise we chose to stand on is the will of God for my life. I have to settle that Philippians 4.19, as I'm believing for this vehicle, is God's will for my life. Amen? Now, Now, settle, that means that it's done. It's over. It's a wrap. There is no more discussion. When a court case is settled, that means restitution has been paid, judgment has been rendered, it's closed. And you have to close the case that God's word and the promises therein and all the goodness, all the grace, all the mercy is indeed his will for your life. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. Well, what does that do for me? That solidifies your faith. Amen? Because again, the enemy comes to do what? Steal, kill, and destroy. So you're sitting there with your believing self, and then he's going to come with situations and circumstances to get you to doubt. He's going to come with the wind and the waves like he did with Peter who was already walking on the water. It was Jesus' will for him to walk on the water. But then circumstances showed up. Life showed up. Nature, in that case, showed up contradicting the word of the Lord. And what he did was he got his focus on the thing that was contradicting the word. He believed in it, and so guess what? He began to sink. See, here's what you got to understand. Whatever you believe is what's going to manifest in your life. Whatever you believe is what's going to manifest in your life. That's the power of faith. So if you believe that Jesus says, come out on his water, and you do it, now only do it if he tells you now, (laughs) then guess what? You'll walk on water. If you believe that car is what he wants you to have, then guess what? That'll manifest. But if you don't believe, then you won't have. Well, what happens if I believe sometimes and not other times? I'm glad you asked that. Turn to James chapter 1. Because this is where a lot of believers find themselves. James 1, I want to say it's verse 7 or 8. Yeah, Uh, verse 6. Let's start at verse 6. James 1, 6. Let me put these things on while I read. My wife was like, why didn't you put your glasses on? I said, I can see it. She was like, not as close as you was to that Bible. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Verse 6 says, but let him ask in what? Let him ask in what? Let him ask in faith. Then what does it say after that? Nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind. Tossed to and fro. I believe, I don't believe. I believe, I don't believe. I believe, I don't believe. What what, what type of man says, for let not that man think that he shall what? Receive anything of the Lord. Didn't say the Lord doesn't love that person. Didn't say that grace wasn't sufficient for that person. But what it did say was, because of this person's being tossed back and forth, they now have disqualified themselves from receiving what grace has made available. And that's why the devil wants to mess with your mind. That's why he wants to try to inject negative emotions, depression, and anything else into your life because if he can just get you today to not believe but tomorrow you go back to believing and then the next day you don't believe and then the next day you do believe, you then qualify as a double-minded person and he says, I just want to keep them stuck right where they're at. Because if I can do this just long enough, I know they'll become hopeless and give up. It says this type of person, not that God didn't love you, but that person can't expect to receive anything from the Lord. Verse 8 says he's a double-minded man. A double-minded man is unstable. This is interesting. A double-minded man is unstable in what? Oh, my goodness, all his ways. Let's read this out of the Amplified. Uh, I'm going to go back to verse 5 and as we read this out of Amplified. So go to verse 5. It says, if any of you is deficient in wisdom, what is wisdom? Wisdom is knowing what to do when I don't know what to do. So if any of you is deficient in wisdom, let him ask of the giving God who gives to everyone liberally. What's that word liberally mean? Freely. So it doesn't cost you anything. And he gives wisdom literally to everybody. It says, let him ask of the giving God who gives to everyone liberally and ungrudgingly without reproaching or fault finding. What? Wait a minute. So he's not even looking at my faults? He gives me wisdom in spite of my faults? That's what it says. And it will be given to him. All you got to do is what? Ask. Ask. Verse six, only, here's the only condition, it must be in faith that he asks. So you gotta ask, but you gotta ask in faith. You gotta ask in expectation. You gotta ask in confidence in God and his word. You gotta ask believing. You can't ask God for things in unbelief and then think you're gonna receive them. This tells me then that, it's possible to ask God for stuff and, be, and not be believing. It's possible to walk right up to the throne of God and say, God, I believe you for my car. But you don't really believe. It says only it must be in faith that he acts with no wavering. Now, I love this because it kind of defines what that means. No hesitating, no doubting. For the one who wavers, the one who hesitates, the one who doubts, the one who wavers, the one who hesitates, the one who doubts, is like the billowing surge out at sea that is blown hither and thither and tossed by the wind. For truly, let not such a person imagine, let not a person see themselves Receiving anything he asked for from the Lord. Well, why not? Because he's asking in unbelief. He's asking, not trusting. He's asking, not considering the promises of God. This is a promise. This is a declaration from God. This is something that he must do. This is something that I can place a demand on. That person who's wavering is not standing on that, they're not looking at the fact that it's a promise, and they're not looking at the fact that it's from God Almighty. What they're looking at is that this is a conditional thing. That's what they're really feeling in their hearts, that this is something that God might do, instead of this is something that God has already done. It's not something that God might do. You are healed. You are prosperous. You are free. It's not that you might be prosperous or you might be healed or you might be delivered or you might be free. It is finished. And when you go to God to ask, you don't get off of that. You don't let anything push you to the right or to the left of that. You say, it is done. (coughs) It is done. It is done. That the weed. Just, <laughs> I'm delivered. <laughs> I'm set free from, from the drugs. <laughs> but whatever it is, it is done. Say that with me. Say, I'm free. I'm free. So I have to settle in my heart that this promise that I'm choosing to stand on is indeed done, and it's God's will for my life. It's his will for my life, and it's done. And I'm not moving to the right or to the left. That's the third strategy. It is his will for me to prosper. Amen? So those three strategies go under the first stage. And remember, that first stage was, in order to strengthen our faith, we have to remember what God tells us and then keep that in our hearts. Do you got that? Okay, amen. So we're going to go to the second stage. So I'm remembering, and I'm keeping this word in my heart. The next stage kind of butts right up against that last strategy. We must firmly trust in God's promises that we have been given to overcome the problem. I'll read that again. If we're going to trust in the promises of God, we must firmly, everybody say firmly, Trust in God's promises that we have been given to overcome the problem. There will be problems that come up in your life. Amen? I used to hear this uh, sometimes. I I was raised in church and I was a teenager and I was sitting. Back then, I didn't have a whole lot of problems. You know what I mean? But then adulthood came. Glory to God. You know, back then it was like, what am I going to wear, uh, you know, how are my grades going to be in school? And I'm not saying those things aren't important, they're absolutely important, but things just kind of have a lot more weight on them. You know, instead of, you know, finding out how you're going to get $1.50 for lunch, you know, you're trying to figure out how you're going to get like $500 for groceries for that month because you got kids now, Amen. You're trying to, you know, uh, figure out how you're going to pay the mortgage. You're trying to make sure, uh, what am I going to do to make sure I do what I need to do so my job is uh, secure and I can be successful. And then you got to start thinking about your health and all these types of things. So there's these extra things that, that come along the way to mess with your trusting. But no matter the situation, no matter the problem, we are still able to firmly trust in God's Word. If you agree with that, say Amen. In Mark chapter 1, verse 40 to 42, we see an example of something similar. It says, And there came a leper to him, beseeching him, and kneeling down to him, and saying unto him, If thou wilt, thou canst make me what? Clean. And Jesus, moved with compassion, put forth his hand and touched the leper, or touched him, and saith unto him, I will. I will be thou clean. This guy came up to him and he said, now if you you want me to be, I can be clean. He said, if you will, I can be clean. And Jesus said what? I will or I, I want you to. Be thou clean. Now, it's important to recognize, also let me, let me finish the scripture because I'm so excited I want to just get to the point. It says, and as soon as he had, what, spoken, immediately, 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 leprosy departed from him and he was cleansed. Now, it's important to note that this leper that came up to Jesus did not have the same covenant that you and I have. Some people read this, and they try to take this as a New Testament grace-based believer and say, that's how it's supposed to work for me. You have a better situation than this guy does. See, Jesus hadn't died yet, so grace wasn't available. So this guy had to come up and show up out of faith only and just say, hey, if you want me to be, I can be healed. But for you and me, Jesus went up on the cross He already died. He has now taken on sin, sickness, and disease for us all. He hadn't done it yet. So that guy had to almost say, with your permission, with your desire, I can be healed. But for you and me, he already has said, I will it when he shed his blood. So it is now done for you and I. This guy had to ask, can you heal me? We can say, I am healed. He had to say, Lord, I'm not sure if you want me because of my situation, because of my circumstances. I'm not sure if you want me healed, but you and me, we get to stand under under a new covenant that says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes shall not perish but have everlasting life. We are the whosoever. That leper was the whosoever, but Jesus hadn't died yet. So he had to ask a little differently. Than you and I ask. He had to say, can you heal me? We get to say, I'm healed. We get to place a demand and say, heal me, not as a question, but as a demand on the promises of God. There's a difference, amen? Go to John 14. Verse 13, John 14, 13, and we'll also read verse 14. Now, there's something important that I really want you to get about this way that we ask. Because one is in faith and one is not, amen? Somebody say, what are you talking about? I'm going to show you in a minute. Verse 13 says, and whatsoever, let's read this together as a matter of fact. King James, verse 13, ready, read. And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If ye shall ask anything in my name, what's his promise? I will do it. I will do it do it. Now remember, this is in this stage, we're in this stage of firmly trusting in God's promises that we have been given to overcome any problem. I'm going to give you the fourth strategy and then we're going to break this scripture down a little bit. The fourth strategy, so this is the fourth strategy which falls into the second stage. You had three strategies before, so this is the fourth one that falls under the second stage. The fourth way to fight the enemy is to ask God for what we want. To ask God for what we want, but not just any way. We ask God for what we want according to his word. Ask God for what we want according to his word. What we ask in God's authority, he will do. Did you notice that it said, and whatsoever you shall ask, but how do we ask? In my name. If I come to you in the name of Dr. Dollar and Pastor Taffy that means I come to you in their authority, with their interests, with the power that is on them. I am their ambassador and I come in that name. So when you say in his name, he's saying when you ask for something in line with my name, in line with my authority, in line with my will, that's the stuff I'll do. Makes perfect sense when you understand. It. A parent is not going to allow a child to do something that they don't want them to do. But if you do in line with what I've said you can do and in line with what I want you to do, surely that way will be empowered, won't it? And then God is saying the same thing. So we have to ask, but ask in his name. But in order to ask in his name, in order to ask in line with his word, that means I have to understand his word. That means I have to spend time with his word. And his word is what shapes my asking. I don't just ask for things randomly. I ask for things in line with the word of God. Uh, Look at Psalms 37.4. Let me show you this. Psalms 37.4. We're going to look in the uh, King James. It says, delight thyself also in who? And when I delight myself in the Lord, what does he do? He shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Now, is this talking about the heart that pumps blood? No, it's talking about your mind. So in your mind, delight yourself with God. What does that mean to delight myself with the Lord? That means want what he wants for your life. Want what he wants for your life. Delight yourself with what he wants. Take pleasure in what he wants for your life and want it for yourself. And when you do that up here, he will give you the desires that you have up here. Why? Because the desires in your mind... Match the desires he wants for you. And when you get your mind in the right place, matching his desires for you, and then you go and ask him for what he wants for you, he's gonna say, Yes, that's what I want you to have. What does God want for me? 3 John 2 says, Beloved, I wish above all things that you prosper and be in good health, even as your soul prospers what does God want for you he wants life for you he wants abundance for you he wants prosperity for you he's given you healing he's given you freedom that's what he wants for you and as soon as you get your mind right and see that that's what he wants for you and you want it for yourself and then you ask him for it guess what it's done it's not that he might do it it's that it's already done So you're asking him for something, not so that he will do it. I hope you're starting to get what I'm talking about. You're asking him and you're placing a demand on what he's already done. See, we're so used to asking people for something and and, and as I say, being ready for both answers. You know, I always say that at work. I say uh, in the ministry, you know, whenever I request something uh, from from anybody, uh, above me especially, I start turning a request, and I'm always ready for both answers. What's what's both answers? Yes or no. So I emotionally prepare either way. Because some people lose their mind when they get told no, you know what I'm saying? And sometimes you don't know why, they say no, might not be in a budget, might not be whatever. But I had to learn how to emotionally prepare for both answers. But it's not that way with God. It is finished. So when you go to God and say, I am healed, heal me. It is not an option to hear a no because the blood of Jesus has secured your yes. When you go to God and say, I am prosperous, prosper me. You're asking God to prosper you, but it is not with the question mark at the end, it is with the period. And there's a difference between the two. One says, prosper me, if you will, like the leper. But you've got a different covenant. The other says, prosper me, period. And that is placing a demand on what the blood of Jesus has already done for you. If you understand that, say amen. So I have to ask God according to his will or his word for the promise. When you look this word up, ask, and you break it down in the New Testament, uh, it, it, it says that it's placing a demand on, calling for, or requiring. You're requiring from God what he has promised. That's why I said it's important that you ask the right way. You're not asking like the leper did. Some people look at that and say, that's how we're supposed to do it. No, no, no. That was an example of how not to do it, actually. Not for the grace-based believer. The grace-based believer boldly goes to the throne of, there's a reason why I said grace. The leper couldn't boldly go to the throne of grace because grace hadn't been made available. But you and I, we can boldly go to the throne of grace asking for a help in the time of trouble. It's not saying, will you help me, question mark. It's saying help, period. And then he says, I already gave you help. Holy Spirit's on the inside of you. Go for it. Boldly, boldly, somebody say boldly. Boldly Boldly going to the throne of grace and demanding, placing a demand on help. I don't know if we should be demanding God to do anything. You're not demanding God to do anything, He's already done it. You're placing a demand. On help to help you because help has been promised how do I get it ask open up your mouth and declare it heal me prosper me deliver me make me whole no question mark just a period if you understand that say amen so ask God correctly and ask with the knowledge that it is his will that that thing is indeed done. Amen? Okay, so here's, this, here's number five or the fifth strategy, and this is under the second stage. The fifth strategy under the second stage is to meditate daily. Everybody said Meditate. Meditate daily on the promise that covers that particular situation. Meditate daily on the promise that covers that situation. This is how we conduct spiritual battle. So I remember what the Word says. Now I'm in the stage of trusting what the Word says. I'm learning how to trust on the promise. And in this stage of trusting... It's not enough just to hear the word once or see the word once and think that's going to strengthen you. Anybody ever worked out in here or did any type of exercise in your life? Amen. Was one time enough? Did you see any change? No, one time ain't enough. Sometimes you go in that gym and and some people try to make one time enough. What happens when you try to make one time enough and you get in there and work out for six hours thinking you're going to lose all the weight you need to lose. Is that what happens to your body? You, you, you hurt yourself. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that workout regimen, you, you back there three weeks later because you don't mess up your muscles, you don't rip them things apart, and you don't injure yourself or something like that. It, it, to, in order to develop something, one time was never supposed to be enough. And if you're going to develop your faith, if you're going to develop and trusting in God, it's going to take a process. And when I meditate the word of God, I am turning. That word meditate means to mutter, to utter it over and over again. It means to roll it over in your mind. Joshua 1 and 8 says, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate. How often? Therein day and night. Why? That thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. But this all starts with meditating, hearing that word, knowing what the promise is, standing on that promise, trusting in that promise, saying the promise, asking God, placing a demand on that promise. But then tomorrow, I got to meditate on that word because guess what? I I might have to do it again. What do I do when it don't show up right away? I might have to do it again. And then I might have to do it again. And then I might have to do it again. I don't give up. I remain the same because I'm working on something. You know, people say that and it's like a little spiritual catchphrase, but you really are working on something. And as you meditate on that word and, and, and stick to it, it builds up and it develops your faith. See, we have to understand that God has done everything that needed to be done for our victory. But our part is to stand now on that promise. The Bible says after you've done all you can do to stand, do what? Keep standing. What am I doing while I'm standing? Meditating on the word. Putting that scripture out. Reading it in every uh, translation possible. (laughs) Getting the Greek and the Hebrew and understanding it more and more. Why? Why would I do that? Because you're strengthening your faith as you're gaining more understanding. And as you strengthen your faith and you gain understanding, it's almost like you're, you're cementing yourself in the proper position. So when the winds come and the rain comes, the mess comes, and the haters come, you just can't be moved. Even, even though you may bend a little bit, you know, it's like I can't, I can't break, I can't move because I am cemented and standing on the Word of God. But if I don't meditate on that Word, I don't become what they call grounded in it. What does that mean? That means that my roots don't go down deep enough, and then what ends up happening as soon as the wind comes, I get blown over. As soon as somebody says, "Oh, you know your bank account a little low," or you know we think we saw something in the scan," or you know uh, they're about to come and take your house, if you're not rooted, if you're not grounded, if you're not cemented, because you didn't meditate on that word, it'll knock you over. But for the believer that's really believing, for the believer that's simply standing and meditating and rooting themselves, no matter what comes, they're not moved. I'm a believer who ain't going to be moved, because I'm a believer that's going to have success as I meditate on God's word. So our part is to stand on the promise. We must meditate on the word until we can see ourselves doing what we believe. Somebody said, how long do I do this? You do it until it manifests, number one. Amen? But you definitely don't stop until you see yourself with it or doing whatever it is you're believing for. And I'm not talking about just wishing, amen? I'm talking about gaining understanding and revelation, excuse me, revelation, that that thing is done. Because sometimes I've heard people say this, I just can't see myself, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. No. You might not be able to right now, but you get in that word and you meditate on it. And I promise you, you will start seeing it. The Holy Spirit will start changing something on the inside of you. Something will wake up. You'll start finding out that you are precious, that you are worthy, that the blood of Jesus was more than enough. You'll start gaining understanding and revelation of of what it means that it is finished. You'll start understanding that God's not a man, that he can't lie. You'll start understanding wait, wait, this ain't like my dad. This ain't like my ex-husband. This ain't like such and such you lied to me. This is God who does not lie. He gave me a promise and it is done Amen. before you know it you'll stand up and you'll say wait a minute heal me prosper me deliver me it's done Amen. Joshua 1 and 8 and amplify really quickly it says this this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth but you shall meditate on it day and how often night that you may observe and do according to all that is written in it for then you shall make your way prosperous so it's quite similar to the king james version but check this out and then you shall deal how this is having success you shall deal wisely and have good success what is wisdom wisdom is not uh, is knowing what to do when i didn't know what to do God will give us wisdom and show us how to conduct ourselves in everyday life. And he won't just give us any wisdom. He'll give us his wisdom. I don't want just somebody else's wisdom. I want the wisdom of God on the thing. We just saw that in James. It said, who does he give wisdom to? Everyone. And he gives it freely without fault finding. His wisdom tells us what to do when we do not know what to do. I thank God that I have his wisdom in my life. I thank God that I can trust and stand on his promises. And we all have to dec- decree and declare that nothing is going to move us off the promises of God. That's why this stage is the stage of firmly trusting in God. Firmly trusting in his promises. Because he has given us everything we need to overcome every problem that presents itself in our lives. Now, we got to make the choice. We got to make the decision that I believe it, that I trust him, and that I'm standing. And And I'm just not wasting time when I'm standing. I'm reminding myself of that word. I'm letting it feed me. I'm letting it strengthen me. I'm remaining in my place of joy. I'm kicking all the negative emotions out. Because all of those are designed to get me to move away from God's word and his will. That's right. I'm defeating the spirit of mammon by doubting my doubts. I trust God. But my time is all gone. Amen. That, that felt like it went by quick. Amen. Well, guess we have to pick it up on Sunday. Amen. <laughs> Come on, let's give God a hand clap of praise. Amen. Well, did you get anything out of that tonight? Amen. Man, Man, we're just going to keep growing and keep learning how to trust in everything that God is telling us to do. But more than that, trusting in the promises of God. Amen. Father God, we just thank and praise you for your word on tonight. We thank and praise you and believe that we receive all that you have made available. We don't ask any longer with a question mark. We ask requiring what your promises have already said. We place a demand tonight on the promises of God. Ministering spirits, angels, go forth right now and cause what is ours to come. I declare right now in the name of Jesus, you're healed. You're whole. You're prosperous. You're delivered. You're free. You are saved because of what Jesus has done. Now trust tonight that his grace is sufficient. And you will experience great and mighty victory in every area of your life your marriage is restored that's for somebody your marriage is restored in jesus name cancer is gone in jesus name increase in promotion is yours in jesus name i'm just declaring what i'm hearing the holy spirit say and it's it's, it's up to you to grab this stuff this is for folks in this room. This is for folks watching on this stream right now. Your child is healed. Somebody's child is sick. I see a little baby that's, a toddler actually, that's, that's uh, sick with a fever. And God is saying, he's healed right now. Oh, I'm sorry, I got the sex wrong. He said, she, she's healed right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. We speak healing into that, into her body right now. Jesus' name. We thank you for it, Lord. If you receive that, say amen. Come on, give God a hand clap of praise one more time. Amen. Well, let's trust God with our giving on tonight. You know, this, this trusting God with His promises is <coughs> not just about our giving. That's what we started at, but it's about our living. It's about every area of our life. Do I believe God? Do I trust God? Thank God we, we're starting to finally figure out this numbers thing is not an issue. Amen? It's about where's my heart at? Am I, am I giving tithes because I'm trying to buy the blessing? Or am I giving a tithe because I, I love God? Am I doing it the way Abraham did it? He just honored God. And he loved God. So he tithed. That's how we're supposed to tithe. Amen? What happens if I don't have a tithe? God still loves you. Give an offering. Give an offering. Don't just not do nothing because you feel guilty. No, thank God the widow didn't do that with her her two copper coins. Amen? Thank God she still showed up because she believed in Jesus. And Jesus honored that offering. So Jesus honored your offering right where you're at. And then you go through the process of learning how to trust God. And then when it comes time, when the Holy Spirit then begins to speak to you and say, now, now that you know how to trust me, now let's get to tithing. then you tithe. Amen? Are you telling people not to tap? I'm telling people to do what God is telling you to do and do what you have the faith to do. Because otherwise, you're just paying your dues. But the only bad part is you're paying dues that don't get you any spiritual return because you ain't got no faith in it. Oh, that's going to make all the religious people mad. <laughs> no, we don't, we don't buy your blessings. That was, that was for the children of Israel, and that was the old covenant. We're blessed because Jesus died. Did you know that? You're blessed because of that. And, and so, when we saw, we saw out of thanksgiving, we saw out of love, and we saw out of honor. And it's funny, now that we've been preaching this truth, do you know the offerings have gone up? I mean, no, no, seriously, I'm just, you know, I know this is on the web, but just for a family discussion, you know, we had gotten really, you know, low with our giving. And it's shooting up. You want to know why? Because the truth, knowing it, that sets people free. Grace sets people free. See, what had been happening was people were doing guilty giving. And guilty-giving and trusting in mammon was making people feel not worthy because they didn't have enough. Enough is measured by your heart, not by what you write on that envelope. When Jesus was looking at those offerings being put in, the rich people gave a lot of money. The Bible says much, but the widow gave more. He looked at her heart and he said, she's giving more. More. Let what you give tonight be a gift of more. Give out of your heart, letting God know you trust him. And he'll take care of the rest. Amen? Amen. Well, go ahead and take those offerings that you have. If you're giving by text, you can do that by what you see on the screen. And Father, we thank and praise you right now as we sow these seeds of more, seeds that trust you out of our heart, not seeds by an outdated law. And we give you all the glory, honor, and praise. For the victory that results in the kingdom from the seed that we sow. We are already blessed, but we also are excited about seed tab and harvest. And we sow into good ground, knowing that our harvest is already secure. And so the seed of thanksgiving goes forth. And we'll be careful to give you all the glory, honor, and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Usher, you may serve the people. As they're doing that, if anyone in this room wants to be saved, hurry up and come on down to the front. If you want to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues, you can come down to the front. And last but not least, I think everybody in here is actually a member already. But if you're not and you want to join the church, come on down to the front. So I'm going to ask everybody to stand to your feet. Just look to your right and left. Ask that person, are you good? Give them a thumbs up. If they're good, then give me a thumbs up. And we'll go ahead and get on out of here. Amen. See the Thumbs up, thumbs up, thumbs up, thumbs up. All right, praise God. Amen. Let's give God one more hand, clap of praise. All is well. Raise your hands as we prepare to be dismissed. I declare agreement with the blessing of God on your life tonight. We seal this word as we link up to God's covenant for your life. And we thank God for the victory and the manifestation of his promises in every area of your life. I say in Jesus' name as you go throughout the rest of this week, may his favor just continue to show up in every area, in every part of your life. And we'll be careful to give him all the glory, honor, and praise for it. In Jesus' name, go in his grace and go in peace. Amen. Amen. We love you guys so much. You are dismissed.